welcome a compulsive overeater and a miracle of mental health. My name is Roy L. And a serenity prayer. Let's do a serenity yeah. prayer again. We're going to start the meeting as we did last time with a serenity prayer. God. 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 Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Well, I want to welcome everyone back to the San Diego Serenity Retreat. And uh, you guys didn't miss much during the one to four because we didn't have too many people here, but I was just answering personal questions on some step work and maybe a little amends and maybe a little background. Um, I will try and either email Richard or whatever. With uh, all of the footnotes and bibliography for all these sources, when we'll, we'll take the... Uh, yeah. The sign-in sheet and email you all as many sources as I can get from him for this for the uh, slides that he's showing. Thank you. Okay. This uh, I did. A lot of the people here are, and one of the things I have to say about OA is they're really open to the basic text, working the original program. They're open towards the message put out by people that I hang out with in Santa Monica, um, which includes this nest of savage big book thumpers who like to call themselves the Fellowship of the Spirit Groups. And a lot of you already have experience with the, the Big Book Awakening Step Guide, which Dan S. puts out. I got a bunch of them here. Um, I, uh, Ryan, help me carry them in. Would you do it, Ryan? I don't know. Oh, yeah. I don't make any money on them. There's seven bucks on. If you go to bigbookawakening.org, you can order, order them from Dan S. for seven bucks. But I told him, look, I'm going down to this retreat. I had a bunch at the OA birthday party book study. I said they they were interested, so I I said if you want, give me a box and I'll give it to them for a discounted price of six bucks. Just save a dollars, and you don't have to wait for them to come in the mail. If you're not interested, don't worry. Uh, I don't make any money off them. Dan S. was basically writing down, you know, the ba the basic way of taking somebody through the steps, and I do this for OA, any, and I do it for Al-Anon's too, using the original program. It works on any of our character disorders, which are known as the addictions. It works on overeating, if your drug of choice is pizza or ice cream. It works on alcohol. It works on narcotics. It works on cocaine. It works on sex and love addiction. It works on compulsive gambling. It works on Al-Anons, too. And it's basically using what I call... I'm a, I call myself not a fundamentalist because that always has the implication I'm doing it right and you're doing it wrong, you know? I call myself an originalist. It's just a word I made up because fundamentalism has this kind of negative connotation of, of kind of judgment and, and self-righteousness, which is the last thing you want to portray to a newcomer. It's not an attractive thing. All I'm saying is that this is the original program and it works for me. You can do anything you want. You can use the OA workbook. You can uh, go through the steps. Uh, we were talking, I was talking with one of our members with the Wally Patton's Back to Basic. He's an AA guy that's trying to recreate Clarence Snyder's old methods in the early 40s when he was taking 200 people a week through the steps in a week, you know. You can do anything you want. 
and you can do what your sponsor tells you to do. And that's one of the greatest things about 12-step program is nobody can tell you what to do and nobody really has any power over anybody else. And anybody who's telling you, I'm doing it right, you're, telling, you're doing it wrong, you can tell them to piss off. I mean, that's one of the greatest things that we can't excommunicate anybody or expel anybody. You're a member if you say you are. The people who started this thing back in 1935, after four and a half years, decided, well, you know, we got a treasure. We made contact. I think it would be good if we told other people about it. And they debated how to do it. And they had basically three main ideas, and, and they all thought money would be involved. One of them was a bunch of trained missionaries who were experienced in the step work to go across the country and take people through. A second was a string of detox units, usually staffed by members who knew what they were doing, and they would be paid, and they would charge people. to. And, of course, they should have a book. You know, and all three organizations, uh, or enterprises that rather, w thought they would, would require money. And they tried to raise money and they were absolutely unsuccessful. The only thing they could come up with that they might still be able to pull off was a book. And they decided to write this book. And we heard earlier the way the message was delivered word of mouth. And it can be delivered word of mouth. But they decided that, you know, if you're going for, on a treasure hunt, you can give directions to the treasure verbally, but maybe be better to have a treasure map, right? So they decided that we need a treasure map. And that's what the big book is. It's, if I do what's in here, I'm going to get make contact with a higher power. Okay? And the original message is spiritual in nature. Okay. Do you want the lights back on for this, Roy? Or are you going to be using the the, the again? Uh, lights can be back on to, uh, for the point for this. Where the hell is it? Um. Oh, it's in there as a solution. No wonder I'm in the wrong... Well, let me look for it, because I'm not... Anyway, these... This is where you can get the OA podcasts, including some book studies done by myself and Harlan at the OA birthday party. It's on the Virtual Speakers Bureau. This is where you hear a lot of guys who are dedicated to working the steps through the book, and it's XA stands for cross addicted. We got OA tapes up there, CA tapes, NA tapes, Alanons, and AA tapes. But in the AA speaker section, in the workshops, you'll see guys like Joe and Charlie, you'll see Joe Hawk, you'll see Don Pritz, Don P, you'll see Bob O, Bob Olson, you'll see people, trust me, anybody who's getting on this website, they're very familiar with how to work the steps as outlined in the book. This is a step that also has some real pioneers, guys like Clarence Snyder and Bill Wilson, a lot of tapes by Bill W., a couple talks by Ebby, the guy who delivered the message. And they're from the... Oh, did, did it, how did it go off? He turned it off again. We're going to email it to everybody. Yeah, we're going to send it by email. All right. Okay, it'll come back on in a second anyway, right?
I actually I need it kind of I'm going to shift to be back to being back on right now frankly let me I'm sorry to make Richard go through I thought there would have been an easy way to mute it or something like you can turn it off and on let let me get my big book up here all right how do I get to the how do I get to the top of the okay I don't know how to do this I thought there'd be a control that would do it. Come on, what is this? Oh, I see what's happening here. Right, let me get this closed. All right. I don't know. I don't know a graceful way to scroll to the top. I'm searching for this. What is the message here? The original message. Uh, what? Oh, here it is. I'm going to search on the word personal. I think it's in, uh, all right. In our personal stories, you find a wide variation in the way each teller approaches and conceives of the power which is greater than himself. Whether we agree with a particular approach or conception seems to make little difference. Experience has taught us that these are matters about which, for our purpose, we need not be worried. The book is about how we make contact with a higher power. And it starts with the, the first step, okay? It starts with the forwards and the prefaces, which is kind of the history of the program. But the first step has more pages devoted to it than any other step in uh, the book because as Bill Wilson later says you know in the 12 and 12 even these desperate low bottom cases had difficulty accepting the um, the the absolute hopeless nature of their situation okay the fact that they were were doomed the message of the big book is that you're doomed so my my theme for the OA retreat was it works, it really does, what program are you working? Because you may not be hearing the original message of the program of recovery in your meetings. Uh, you may be hearing wonderful things, and I'm going to play the, this, the, uh, the, uh, the slogan sl slapper thing again. Yeah. Well, here we go. This is funny. I couldn't get in touch with my sponsor. I was struggling. This is funny. I called everyone in my network. And everyone on the meeting list. I reached out. I couldn't connect with anyone. Sometimes 
You just need an ear. Sometimes you just need words. Sometimes you just need a recovery slogan. <laughs> we found the slogan slapper. Introducing the greatest change to self-help recovery since the invention of self-help recovery. The Slogan Slapper is a spiritually engineered glove designed to smack the shit out of all struggling and whining addicts, no matter what your addiction is. Don't feel like going to meetings? Meeting makers make it. Try the Slogan Slapper. Feeling like shit? Feelings ain't fat. <laughs> the Slogan Slapper is made of fine leather and is handmade by recovering newcomers who whine about having nothing to do. It comes programmed with most recovery slogans used today, such as, Fake it till you make it. Easy does it, but do it. You need a checkup from the neck up. If nothing changes, nothing changes. Call your sponsor, Keep Coming Back, and many others. Don't be so self-centered. Go slogan slap others as well. Sick and tired of being sick and tired. Willingness is the key. More will be revealed. This too shall pass. I'm grateful for the slogan slapper. I slapped the shit out of myself this morning, and I know I'll stay clean. Just for today. <laughs> be a part of the solution. And let the slogan slapper slap the shit out of you. <laughs> Did you like that? These guys are funny. <laughs> well, there's a lot of stuff, great stuff on the internet. Holy moly. I think I did that. I just stepped on my self here. You did. Yes, I hope I didn't. Whoa! Yeah, so that's done for oh, the moment. Uh, really? Do we need sound anytime soon? Uh, not really, I don't think. Actually, we don't, yeah. Okay. All right. Um, so the original theme of the workshop is it works, but what program are you working? And you heard a lot of the slogans, meeting makers mating, make it, right? Well, I was going to two meetings a day seven years in, you know, and I was dying, okay? Um, more, the two biggest misquoted slogans in, in Overeaters and Anonymous, NAA too. The two, two misquoted, misquoted from the book. The first is, newcomers are the most important person in the room. It is not in any 12-step literature that I know. Maybe it's in some OA literature. I haven't. But the actual quote from the book is, frequent contact with newcomers and each other is the bright spot in our lives. You see? In other words, I don't believe anybody's more important than anybody else in this program. I don't, I'm not more important than a newcomer that might not be absent and struggling. But on the other hand, I don't think she's any more important than me, frankly. And who's the one that's in danger? You know, if a newcomer's in a pink cloud or in a state of grace and is on fire with the program, they might be farther away from the next compulsive bite than somebody 20 years in who's dying, who needs to go through the steps again, and if they don't, they got page 52 in their life, they could be the one who's really in danger. Nobody's more important than anybody else in the program. 
the newcomer becomes important to me when he comes up to me and says, hey, I'd like to go through the steps, can you help me? Then he becomes very important to me. But, you know, people come and go in the program. Nobody's more important than anybody else. The other slogan that is most misquoted, more will be revealed. It doesn't say that. It says, see to it that your own house is in order. God will disclose more to you and to us. You see, the original message is that this is a spiritual program. And that people are going to... Let's see if I can find this damn thing. It says, uh, in their own words and from our own point of view, we, 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 the, the great fact is that we've made contact with a higher power. Okay, The original message of the program is, I've had a spiritual awakening. It doesn't even mention food or, or alcohol in the 12th step. It says, I've had a spiritual awakening from the result of these steps. And oh yeah, by the way, I haven't been obsessed with food for over 30 years. But that's almost like a byproduct. It's like a side effect. It's a natural result. It's a precipitate of the solution, pardon the chemical metaphor. Um, so that's the original message. So what message are you hearing in the fellowship? And what mess and what's the what is your method, what is your solution for your compulsive overeating obsession? My solution is the original program. That's why I call myself the originalist. Anybody I know who wants to do it any other way is welcome to do it. And um but the thing is, and Harlan experienced a little bit of this out in Scottsdale. If you keep talking about the book and quoting from the book and this and that, you know, you're going to get some feedback. And not all of it's going to be positive because if a person never had experience with the original program, they're not going to admit to you, well, you know, I've never really had experience, so I just, I'm going to indulge myself with contempt prior to investigation. They don't say that. What they're going to say, you know, the best defense of good offense is there's a bunch of Nazis running around this program with a big book telling us what to do. And that's bullshit. I'm telling you just the opposite. If, if what you're doing with your sponsor is working for you, keep doing it. You know, if it's, it's about calling in food and I go to my meeting and I got my commitment and that, that, and you, you, he kind of gives you, he gives you the OA workbook or whatever and you're doing it and it's working for you, keep doing it. It's a totally non-judgmental morality. It's not about who's doing it right or wrong or who's doing it the best or I'm doing it God's way and you're, you know, whatever. It's about what's working for you. It's a total functional program approach. The book says, we, or Bill says in his story, I was given a practical program of action. You know what practical means? It means never mind the theory. Is it working for you or not? And that's the real question. If I'm seven years into this thing, abstinent, sober, and I'm dying, something ain't working. And I needed to go through this process. I, I was telling the, the people during the, the one to four period, there weren't too many. You know, I had a first sponsor and he almost killed me because he didn't have experience with the book. Instead of admitting like I'd never really made the amends and had a spiritual awakening, you know, he, he was sober 17 years he would just tell me well you know i know more than bill he only had four and a half years when he wrote the book and i swear to god 
I go to, how do you do the six and seven step? Well, it's hard to explain. I come to, we were talking about amends. There were a few people here during the one to four period. We mostly got a chance to talk about some personal approaches to inventory and amends. And I go to him, uh, I go to him with an amend. He said, well, you don't have to make the amend. When somebody tells you that, here's what it really means. I never did the amends. And I'm still on the program. He might, they might be absent in 10 years. I, and, but if they didn't do it, they're not going to insist that you do it because that would admit that they didn't do it right. They're not going to say that, though. They're not going to say, I never really had the experience of making the amends and having the awakening. And he would say, you don't need to do the amend. No sponsee of mine ever gets told that. Because I had my spirit. When I went through this step process, again, geared towards the book with my second sponsor, Kurt B. in Boca Raton, Florida, who was a good guy and believed in God. And I saw those resentments leave me. And I realized the book was right all along. And this clown with his 17 years and his opinions was full of shit. And that's what was wrong with me. That was a spiritual awakening of the educational variety. And I've been a book guy ever since. Okay? So what I, what I discovered was that this simple program as outlined in the book really works. It really works. But if what you're doing is working for you and you, and, the, and, you, and you don't want to do this for whatever reason, because it's too annoying to cross out alcohol and put in food or because it mentions the word God or uses the old uh, chauvinist language, uh, him, you know. If, I say take the white out cross. If you've got a female higher power, cross out him and put in her. I don't care. You know, you've got to find something that works for you. But frankly... OA people are open to the book process because they see the results. But it's real hard to get somebody who's 25 years sober and the only thing that kept him from drinking or killing himself was Prozac and who's still scoffing at God and just going to meetings and hanging out in the fellowship. And yeah, yeah, But I'm 25. It's real hard to get them to admit that they ain't got shit for a program. Okay? And I'm certainly not going to go up to them and say that, although I might think that. And... Uh, you know, but the truth of the matter is that this thing really works. And if people don't have experience with it, they're they're more ready to you know, good defense is good offense is the best defense. You know, I'm not telling anybody what to do, and I'm not saying it's the only way to do it, and the, or even it's the best way to do it for you. But I'm saying that this is the original way of doing it. It worked for me when the when that slogan kind of fellowship based you know working one side of the triangle type of program was not working for me and it works for countless others and the OI people are very open to it um, this is my outline from the big book workshop I don't know how much I'm going to be able to get through this thing well that's what qualification and I just mentioned about the difference. Some of the sleps, I sleps. Some of the slogans, I think, are complete bullshit. Like, you know, work a step a year and all that. They came from the New York AA. Meetings makers make it. I, I don't think it's valid. I think you got to get your butt to a meeting to be exposed to the higher power and hear the message. You know, you, you, it's a very spiritual act to walk into an OA meeting when you're a newcomer and hold up your hand. That's a spiritual act. And say for the first time, I'm a compulsive overeater. That's a spiritual act. And take a welcome chip. That's a spiritual act. You know, 
But that, but when you are attending meetings of the fellowship, you're in the presence of some of the people who have had a spiritual awakening and some of them who haven't. And some of them who have got recovery and some of them who haven't. But at least you're here to hear a message. Then you go home and read the book. or And the OA books, too. That's a spiritual act, you know? And it's a spiritual act to say, well, you know, they're using 1930s language and Bill Wilson was obviously a male chauvinist, but I don't care. There's something here. That's a spiritual act. You get willing to set aside your prejudices. The uh, book thumpers like to use the set-aside prayer, which still to this day does not do much for me because it's not in the book, but it helps a lot of people. And it's based on the idea of the book in the chapter of the agnostic begs us. The book is humble, by the way. It never gives you, you got to do this, you got to do that, and you better do this, and we're doing it right. And blah, blah, blah. The, you know how humble the book is? Just listen. To, you, how many times have you heard how it works read? You know, it goes in one ear and out the other. It becomes a liturgy. We beg of you to be fearless and thorough from the very start. We beg of you to lay aside prejudice, even against organized religion, you know. All you need is a willingness. If you can just say to yourself, I'm willing to believe, that is enough from this simple approach. You know, you can make, you know, the book is humble. It is never arrogant. It is never, it says our book's meant to be suggestive only. We know only a little. God will disclose more to you and to us. The book is humble. You might meet a book thumper who's mm-hmm, we're the only ones doing it right. You can just tell them to piss off. That's not the tone of the book. That's not the attitude of the book. Just read the black words in the blue book. Okay? The black print in the blue book. All right, I went through the Oxford group history in that sense. Are you a real compulsive overeater? If when you honestly want to, page 44, let me see if I can get to this thing. There must be a way to jump to a page, I bet. This thing? Yeah. No? Type in the page number. Type, where do you do that? Here? To the left? Where is it? Yeah. Okay. You guys know this. Oh. It might be a couple. How do I get there? Just put enter. Enter. All right. Wow. <laughs> there is a solution. <laughs> well, I thought it was on page forty-four. If, when you honestly want to, you find you cannot quit entirely. Oh, did I miss it already? God damn. Oh, really? Down one? Oh, I'm sorry. It's at the very beginning of chapter four. So if you just chapter four at the top, but at the top bar. Yeah. Next to the forty-four. Yeah. There's up and down arrows. Yeah. Up. Up. All right, and then down. Down one. So you really should go to sixty. Try six. Try typing in sixty-two. Sixty-two. Oh, what do I got? I got 42 in here. It's in 44. But you have all those pages in the beginning that don't have actual numbers if they count for it. Like the title no, no, no. No, that, that doesn't, that's not how it works. They start the numbering from Bill's story. 
They they start the numbering from Bill's story. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's what it is. PDF. No, okay. All right. I got. Well, I got the end. It's on the page forty-four of the big book. If when you honestly want to, you find you cannot quit entirely, or if when binging you have little control over the amount you take, you are probably a compulsive overeater. So this allows you on page forty-four to diagnose yourself. If that be the case, and that's for you to decide, not me. I'm not going to tell you. You may be suffering from an illness which only a spiritual experience will conquer. Okay? If you're the real deal, you know, a a compulsive overeater, you're suffering from a spiritual malady. Not a group therapy, support group, diet and calories club malady that can be cured by a diet and calories club or a support group or group. You're suffering from a spiritual malady that only a spiritual solution. But people may not be coming in at the the levels of Harlan. If you listen to Harlan's story, you know why he's a book thumper. He was beyond human aid. That's a line from the book. It's a line from the doctor's opinion. These men were beyond human aid. Okay? Why not the big book? Why would people not want to do this? Why wouldn't you not be interested in this miracle of healing, as the book says on page 57? Well, well, they're not coming in low bottom. They're coming in, you know, they've had some experience, maybe they'll think they can do this on their own, so they don't need to find God, to find, you know, spiritual experience. They want a diet and calories club. It's all, they're trying to figure out the food plan, you know. Let's get the food plan and get out of here. Why wouldn't they want the big book? Uh, whether this is on page 34 of the big book whether such a person can quit upon a non-spiritual basis depends upon the extent to which he has already lost the power to choose whether he will compulsively overeat or not so if you still think you can do it based on, you know, some slogans or just attendance at some meetings or some, you know, take some service commitments, get a good food sponsor, you know, keep you on track. Maybe you can quit on a non-spiritual basis. I'm not here to tell you what to do, that you've got to do this. That's up for you to diagnose. But it says if you're a real, if you really have lost the power of choice, the extent to which you need this, you know, is is crucial. I can only tell you that people who don't approach this as a spiritual malady and requiring a spiritual solution can get pretty effed up, even if they manage to hold on to their abstinence and stay thin. You know, they can get really miserable. Page 52 will come back in their lives. Okay? Uh, I go into the difference between a religion and a spiritual program. Um, the basic difference is this religions usually tell you who God is what he is they usually add we got him we got the right one the other guys over there they got the wrong one and then they usually they'll take it to the point where they'll go to war against the other and this has been the history of man practically and um a spiritual program just says, you need a God, you've got to find one, you've got to get one. But we will give you a map, a treasure map, to find the treasure, right? You're going to go on a treasure hunt. The point is, what's the whole point of the program? 
I'm willing to go along, grow along spiritual lines. Not that I've lost, you know, 100 pounds from my top weight and then I've kept it off for 33 years. That's a great thing to be able to say to get your attention. But that's ultimately not the point. My real message to you is I've had a spiritual awakening. I no longer see life the way I used to see life. That's my real message. And oh yeah, by the way, I don't like, I'm not obsessed with eating anymore. That's a consequence of the spiritual awakening. It's been, I've been relieved. The obsession has been lifted from me. You know, compulsive food is no longer my master. Bill Wilson uh, recommends in the, in the AA 12 and 12, and the OA 12 and 12 is very well written. I do like the OA 12 and 12. He just recommends quit the debating society. Relax, take it easy. Start with the meeting. Start with the group. You can start and make your approach from this simple level. Okay? Um, let's see. How do you take somebody through the big book? I'll just mention this in the beginning. To, to Those of you who have had Big Book Awakening... Uh, Experience, no. It's, the book says that this program is simple and personal. So basically what I'm doing when I'm working with a newcomer is I'm sitting across from another compulsive reader. I'll have them cross out alcohol, put in food, cross out you know, alcoholism, put in compulsive reading. And we're just going to start reading a book. And I'm going to turn the statements into questions. It's that simple. It's not rocket science. I'm turning the statements into questions. Here's all right. Most of us have been unwilling to admit that we're real compulsive readers. Chapter three, page thirty. So I'll ask the guy, "Have you been unwilling to admit, at least in the past, that you're a real compulsive reader?" Well, yeah, I didn't want to think. I thought I could do it with Jenny Craig or whatever. No person likes to think he's bodily and mentally different from his fellows. Do you think you're bodily and mentally different from your fellows? Well, no. Well, then maybe he hasn't taken his first step yet. Okay. The idea that somehow, someday, he will control and enjoy his overeating is the great obsession of every abnormal eater. Have you suffered from the delusion that someday you're going to control and enjoy your eating? Well, yeah, I thought I could do it, but I guess I can't. That's why I wound up here sitting with you. And he's not very thrilled about it. And and I'm going to point out the... Here's the... Here's the first step in the book on page 30. We learned that we had to fully concede to our innermost selves that we were compulsive overeaters. This is the first step in recovery. The delusion that we are like other people or presently maybe has to be smashed. This is crucial. I'll point this out to you. There's a way of doing this. They call it doing the steps off the wall or doing the real steps as outlined in the book. You, can, you know how you go into the meeting, they got the posters on the wall, the steps and the traditions. Oh, what's the first step? We're powerless over food and our lives unmanageable. That's not really the first step. That's the short form. You know how we got the long form and the short form of the traditions? I don't know if you're aware of that. If you read the back of the AA 12 and 12, they'll show you this, the long form of the traditions and the short form. There's really a long form and a short form of the steps. You can read the steps off the banners try and do them off the wall, or you can have an experience with somebody who knows what they're doing in the book. 
they devote about 60 pages, I think, to the first step in the big book. It goes from the doctor's opinion all the way to chapter to the agnostics. One good thing about uh, Sherman's guide is um, he shows you where the steps are laid out in the book. You know, where they are, you know, where step one is, where step two is, where step four is, and five is, six, seven, eight, nine. And then, you know, 10, 11, and 12. And they devote all this time to step one in the book, more pages. Because it's more than just saying I'm powerless over food, my life's unmanageable. I have to concede to my innermost self that I'm not normal. I'm not like normal people. That's a heavy that's a heavy thing, you know, that I have to be convinced if I've really lost the power of choice over food that I need a spiritual solution. What this implies is more than just I'm powerless. Like, it's like, okay, I won't ever eat sugar again and my life is going to be fine. To, to really fully take the first step in the book method accepts the fact that I cannot even abstinent, even if I manage to get on a food plan, get rid of the sugar, maybe start losing the work, I'm presentable, I can go for job interviews again. It means that sooner or later, I'm going to try and manage and run my own life, and it's going to be a disaster. That's the real implication of step one in the book, that I've got a spiritual malady. And with a lot of us coming into the program, including myself, I'll speak from personal experience. I got sober, I got abstinent, and I still, it was kind of like, okay, I'll let OA manage the food, AO manage the drinking. I'm going to run finance and romance. I'm going to manage whether I pay my taxes, obey the traffic laws, how I'm going to deal with my fellow human beings, who I'm going to be rude to or, you know, push around. See, that's called pussyfooting around with the steps. And as a result, and I didn't have a good foundation for my first sponsor. As a result, seven years into this thing, I was ready to commit suicide or homicide. Okay? The real implication of, first step, of the first step on page 30 means that you are not, you are a crazy person and you're not capable of running your own life. It's the real implication of step one in the big book. You know? And to get to that point, well, if, you know, it depends on what you have to do. If you can have a sponsor take you through this, and you can do it by answering the questions and identification, okay, more power to you. Sometimes you got to be a hard nut like me, which is try and let OA take care of the food, AA take care of the uh, the drinking, but I'll take care of finance, romance, whether I pay my taxes, how I treat my fellow human beings. And I have to experience a bottom in those areas to realize I don't know shit about managing money. I cannot seem to obey the traffic laws on my own power. I know nothing about women. I'm getting obsessed with women. I'm in financial insecurity and fear all the time, even though I'm a well-educated, intelligent guy. What the hell is going on with me here? See, it's called, sometimes people call it the second surrender, the second bottom. The implication of that first step is that you are not capable of managing your life well. 
And yet, I don't want to. I don't want to jump ahead. Oh, well, I will jump ahead a little bit. I'll jump ahead to. If you really take, and then you come to believe that power can restore you to sanity, you've already come to believe it with the food, or you wouldn't be here. But it also it requires the realizing that you need a God in your life to help you with all areas of your life. That you can't just all oh he'll take care of the food, I'll take care of finance, I'll take care of romance, I'll take care of how I treat the plumbing insurance guy, whatever I was talking to Peppy about. It brings you to this uh, resolution, which or or consideration. The book thumpers call these realizations of the book the considerations the things that you have to look at and think about and either accept or reject or identify with if you've really done the first two steps you wind up on page 60 bottom paragraph the first requirement this is the requirement for going through the taking the third step decision that you need a god in your life the first requirement is that we be convinced that any life run on self-will can hardly be a success and sometimes it takes years in the program, abstinent, to get convinced of that. And at that point, you, you, you search out a guy like me or Harlan, and you say, something ain't working in my life. I'm, I lost 75 pounds, and I'm miserable. You see? And then you're ready for the original program. See? Because you can work... Two sides of the triangle, you can work the slogans, you can work on the meetings and garbage dumping until you get to the point of complete and utter surrender that I need a higher power in all my affairs. Okay? And it came the bill. It came the bill pretty early. Okay? Check this out. Page 13. I was to test my thinking by the new God consciousness within. See, he, Ebby was bringing him the original message. Word of mouth, didn't have the book yet, but the original message is this is a spiritual program. Common sense would thus become uncommon sense, one of my favorite lines in the book. Yeah. I was to sit quietly when in doubt, asking only for direction and strength to meet my problems as he would have me. Never was to pray for myself, except as my request bore my usefulness to others. Then only might I expect to receive, but that would be in great measure. See, I can't expect to get a new car, but I can expect, all right, God, help me deliver a message to this OA retreat. You see, because then I'm praying to help others. My friend promised when these things were done, I would enter upon a new relationship with my Creator. Are you interested in a new relationship with your Creator? You see? You asked this, the newcomer. That I would have the elements of a way of living which answered all my problems. Are you interested in, in having a way of life that answers all your problems? You see? I'm sitting there with a newcomer and I'm asking him these questions. That's the, this is the book thumper method of taking a guy through the book. Before the Big Book Awakening guys were written, this is the original method. You sit there, simple and personal. The guy's sitting in front of me. I'll meet with my OA sponsee. I have one place where I meet, which I don't tell anybody about because it's a great place. And, uh, and we go through the book. 
Simple but not easy, a price had to be paid. This is page 14. It meant destruction of self-centeredness. Are you ready to pay the price? Okay. I must turn in all things towards the Father of Light who presides over us all. Now, Bill capitalizes Father of Light. Okay, once again, male chauvinist, right? 1930s language. Whenever he's capitalizing in the book, he's referring to a divinity, right? You don't like Father of Light? Put Mother of Light. I don't care. Put whatever your higher power concept is. I don't care. Are you ready to turn in all things to your higher power for direction? Which means, to me, it's no longer, oh, A takes care of food, A takes care of booze, I get to run finance, I get to run romance, I get to run whether I pay my taxes, I get to run how I treat the, uh, the clerks in the stores. I have to turn in all things now to my higher power. Are you ready to turn in all things to your higher power? You see? This is the real implication of step one. That you can't run your life. Yes, you're powerless over food. But even if you manage to get abstinent, your life will become unmanageable. And I can promise you that my experiences show me, including in my own personal experience that happened to me, that if I just turn the food over to the program and don't have a higher power, I will manufacture my own misery, page 52. I've, I've had it happen. That's why I go through the steps again on a regular basis. Okay, so that's the essence of the Book Thumper method. And many, many pages are directed towards step one in the book. But sometimes you've got to be a hard head like me and mismanage your life for a few years until you hit a second bottom and get willing to go for the real solution. That's what happened to me. If you've got a sponsor that can take you through the book and get you surrendered just through a reading process, my hat's off to you. The Book Thumpers believe this is true. But at least you'll be exposed to really what the original message is. So maybe when you go out there and mismanage your life, you remember what he taught you and what the book taught us, okay? Um, let's see. The book's interesting. They say our book is meant to be suggestive only. It's a suggested. These are the suggested steps. These are the steps which are suggested as a program of recovery. Now, what does that mean, though? Well, in 1935, before the program in the book in 39, if you had alcoholism, you died. I guess it was true of compulsive readers, too. Addicts, certainly. So what does that mean? There's a suggested program over there. And it says, no, it meant that we came up with this way that up until since pre-recorded times, since pre-biblical times, you died if you had alcoholism. We found a way out. We suggest you might want to try it. That's what it means. It doesn't mean that's a suggested program over there. That's a suggested program over there. It means we have a program. We suggest you do it. Once you say, well, okay, I'm interested in your suggested program, then they start talking about requirements and musts and shoulds. There's certain things, you know, people will tell you, well, it's, it's just a suggested program, right? There's no musts or shoulds. That's not the original message, folks. Don't get that spin that a lot, a lot of people have not, that haven't had the experience with the original program are going to try and spin it. Like, 
well, that's the way you do it. That's the way the book says. The book's just a book. I'm doing this. They're acting like they're working their program, and that's the program. Well, no, this is the program. We can only suggest you do it. We can't make you do it. But if you realize that this is the program, then here's what you have to do. And then they start getting into musts and requirements if you want to do this. Now, if you don't want to do it, don't do it. And nobody can make you do it. And if it doesn't attract you, you don't do it. But if you decide that you want to work the original program rather than Archie G's program, which is my first sponsor, which almost killed me, and the Royale program, which doesn't exist. You know, I really don't have one. I haven't come up. I, but, you know, there's a lot of people running a lot of opinions. But if you decide that you're willing to do the program that we suggest to you, the first requirement on page 60 is that we be convinced that any life run on self-will can hardly be a success. There's some requirements. There's some requirements in our program. There's some had to and must. I simply had to believe in the spirit of the universe. I must turn in all things to the Father of light. Particularly, was it imperative to work with others? Page 14. Of necessity, there will be a discussion of matters, medical, religion, psychiatric, and religious. Page 19. Our very lives as ex-problem compulsive overeaters depend upon our constant thought of others and how we may help meet their needs. Page 19. Are you... Do you realize your very life as an ex-compulsive overeater or a compulsive overeater in recovery depends on your constant thought of others and how you meet your needs? So I'm turning the statements into questions. I was sitting with a guy 30-something years sober. I said, do you, do you think your very life as an ex-problem drinker depends upon your constant thought of others and your needs? He goes, no. He's being honest. You don't have to answer yes if you don't believe yes. He's doing his thing. And I think he's going to wind up medicated if he's not already. But he's entitled to do his thing. Okay? We must find a spiritual basis of life or else. Else what? Or else you eat again. Okay? There was nothing left for us but to pick up the simple kit of spiritual tools laid at our feet. Page 25. Are you, do you think there's any, you have any other choice besides picking up a kit of spiritual tools? You see, that's for you to answer. I'm not going to put the answers in your mouth. If you want to say, no, I can do it. I can do it through Jenny Craig. Okay, do it through Jenny Craig. This is a bunch of spiritual tools. I'm not going to answer the questions for you. I'm just showing you that this is what you do when you take somebody through the book to let them know what's going on here, that this is a life or death thing, you know. Okay, that's just to show that this business about, well, it's a suggested program. Don't let that spin. Yes, we're dying. We come up with this way out. We suggest you save your own life. That's what it means. It doesn't mean that, that if you accept that this is the program for you, there's not, it says there are certain things I got to do. I got to do to save my own life. How about this one? I must get rid of the selfish, self-centeredness or it kills us. Try that one on for size. Okay, that's a kind of a heavy thing. Are, 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 do you realize you must get rid of self-centeredness or it's going to kill you? Well, I don't know. You know, That's kind of a heavy question, you know. But don't let this business about to suggest the program on me. That's a spin that people who don't want to do it. They're, what they're trying to say is, I know what the program is, but I'm not willing to do it. But they're not going to say that. 
they're going to say there's a bunch of Nazis running around here telling everybody what to do. And I'm telling you just the opposite. If you're having fun on a fellowship-based program, showing up to meetings, chatting up your buddies, drinking the free coffee, maybe you take a service commitment here and there so you get to greet the women. If it's working for you, keep doing it. I'm not telling you what to do. I know what it didn't work for me because I was doing that. Um, let's see. So we're in step one, you, the physical allergy. Do you have alcoholic foods? Do you realize that there are foods that set you off? I do. You know, and I've kept them off my food plan for over 33 years. I'm not telling you what to do. I was talking to one of our members about working out a food plan with a sponsor. I highly recommend it. It's in our nine tools. You know, there are alcoholic foods. Um, you ask a question like on page 15. Um, do you experience the phenomenon of craving? That's actually on page, looks like XXVII. That's page 18 in the third edition. Or page 1, line 5. Can you safely ingest sugar or other trigger foods in any form of all? Page 4, line 1. Do you overeat because you like the effect produced by stuffing yourself with a binge food? I think these are from the doctor's opinions. Uh, page, yeah, these are from page XXIX. That's Roman numeral 20. Nine, do you believe that your compulsive reading is entirely a problem of mental control? Do you think like, well, okay, if I get rid of sugar and this, that, yeah, I'm going to be able to control it through mental effort. Willpower, willpower, willpower. Uh, here's our term abstinence, which for years we thought was an OA term. Well, it turns out it's right in the goddamn book. Page Roman number 30, Page, it looks like paragraph 5, line 7. Roman, it's from the doctor's opinion. Do you believe that the only relief to this physical allergy to your trigger foods is entire abstinence? That's a, that's a big book term, abstinence. You see? So that means if you work out a food plan, you've got to have your red light foods off your food plan. If, you're, if you have the physical allergy and the craving. Um, oh, I love the, the word. You know, the original, I call myself the originalist. The original... The doctor uses words like this. Much has been written pro and con, but amongst physicians, the general opinion seems to be that most chronic compulsive overeaters are doomed. <laughs> That's the message of the book. It's not like meeting makers make it. Do you realize you're doomed? That's a heavy question to be asking a newcomer, right? Hopeless variety. Are you a compulsive overeater of the hopeless variety? I, in 19, late 1934, I attended a patient who, though he'd been a competent businessman of good earning capacity, was a compulsive eater of a type that I came to regard as hopeless. Are you a compulsive overeater in the hopeless variety? Yeah. Referring to the doctor's being As to two of you men, he was talking about, as Silkor was talking about two, uh, whose stories I have heard, there's no doubt in my mind that you are 100% hopeless apart from divine help. Do you realize you're hopeless apart from divine help? I mean, if you're not a low-bottom compulsive overeating, you may say, no, I don't think I am. Okay. Um, pardon me? Well, the point is, if you're a compulsive overeater, 
you're, you're, you're doomed to suffer from compulsive overeating. It may kill you. if It depends on how severe, from what uh, Z was telling me, and I know from Harlan's stories, you, you know, you're, you're getting to the point of morbid obesity where you're dying. Questions in the ask it basket, please. Oh, yeah, okay. All right. Well, when should we go to questions, by the way? I don't... We'll get to that in a little All right. Um, do you think you're beyond human aid? Page 24, paragraph 4, line 3. Have you placed yourself, it says, beyond human aid? So if so, do you still think OA is like group therapy? And, a, you know, and just a support group? Are you baffled? Did this malady of the mind have a real hold on me? And was I baffled? Page 23, paragraph 2, line 6. That's a first edition uh, compulsive overeater term. Baffled. Are you baffled by this thing? Have you suffered from the obsession that somehow, someday, I will control my eating? Well, the old saying is when I'm controlling it, I'm not enjoying it. And when I'm enjoying it, I'm out of control, you know? Um, key question. Page 24, paragraph 1, line 2. Have you lost the power of choice over food? That simple. Okay. Page 24, paragraph 1, line 4. Were you unable at certain times to bring into your mind with sufficient force the memory of the suffering and humiliation of even a week or a month ago? In other words, I get abstinent for a while, I stay off my binge foods, maybe I lose weight. And then, for some insane reason, somebody hands me a donut and I eat it. And I can't remember that six months previously... I picked up a donut, and for the next three weeks, I was binging on sugar out of my mind, and I started to relapse, which, which cost me 60 pounds of weight gain. See? I can't bring that into my memory. You know? If you think it's a, pro, it's a question of mental control, and you still got control, then you don't need a spiritual solution, do you? See, this is all first step. All right. I mentioned, I mentioned the page 52, did I, when I told my story? You guys definitely get familiar with page 52 because this is so crucial that even if you stay absent and lose a lot of weight, thin is not well, and that if you are a real compulsive overeater of the type I am, of the type Harlan is, of the type of people who wrote the big book, they were Alkies, of course, but they had this character disorder, the addiction, even if you get abstinent and lose weight and you start to get a job, get a boyfriend or girlfriend or maybe, you know, it starts to look a little good on the outside. If you do not have a spiritual connection, guess what's coming? This, you know, if you don't treat your spiritual malady, here's what's coming. We're page 52. Uh, this is the, this is, I always bring my attention to the newcomers to this. Even in the early parts of the prefaces and Bill's story and the doctor's opinion, I want to show them the third component of our disease, the spiritual malady, which is really underneath the other two. If I straighten this out, the mental and physical will fall into place. We were having trouble with personal relationships. We couldn't control our emotional natures. We were prey to misery and depression. We couldn't make a living. We had a feeling of uselessness. We were full of fear. We were unhappy. We couldn't seem to be of real help to other people was not a basic solution of these bedevilments more important than whether we should see neutrals or human flight. So I'll ask the guy, were you having trouble with your personal relationships? Yeah? Could you control your emotional nature? Were you ever beset by misery and depression? 
How are you feeling about your job? Even if you were making money, how are you getting along with your workers? Did you love your job? Did you love going in every day? Do you ever have a feeling of uselessness? Do you ever have an experience where you're full of fear? Do you ever experience with fear? Were you happy or were you unhappy? Could you be of real help to other people? If he says, well, yeah, I couldn't. I was, yeah, I was, I, okay, I identify. Well, uh, are these, is the solution to these bedevilments interesting to you? Do you think it's more important or whether you watch the Lakers game? You know? With one guy, it wasn't. He wouldn't, he, he'd miss his book step, uh, study appointments to, he was a Lakers fanatic. Finally, I, I basically fired the guy. I kind of eased him out. Cause, you know, I mean, look, if you're a real compulsive overeater, Nothing should be more important than saving your own life. You're going to have to put the Lakers on hold for a while. You know, what's, you know, what's more important? Money, property, prestige, the Lakers, or, or, or dying of compulsive overeating? You know, you got to get... A, it's called first things first. It's a perspective. You know? Uh, if you can solve all this stuff in your own power, then you're not the kind of person the big book was written for, the first edition level compulsive overeaters. You know, big book, page 45. We agnostics. Our human resources, as marshaled by the will, were not sufficient. They failed utterly. Is you, are your human resources sufficient to recover you from compulsive overeating? I'll ask you. That's for you to answer. It's not for me to answer. If you're sitting with me and you answer, well, I think I can marshal enough human resources, then you don't need to be sitting with me doing the original program because this program is about making contact with God if you think your human resources marshaled by the will are sufficient you don't need to be sitting with me you're wasting my time and your time you see so I always go over the spiritual solution in page 25 do you identify with this we were in a position where life was becoming impossible as if we had passed into the region from which there is no return through human aid. We had but two alternatives. One was to go on to the bitter end, blotting out the consciousness of our intolerable situation as best we could, or the other to accept spiritual help. Are you ready to accept spiritual help? Maybe you didn't get to the point where you're in a position where life was impossible and you had passed into a region where there was no return through human aid. Maybe you think you can return through human aid. Maybe you need a therapist. Maybe you don't need to be sitting in front of me with this book. You know, that's up to you to answer the question. I'm not trying to put the answers in your mouth. And be honest with your sponsors, you know, because if you think you can do it on your own resources, marshaled by the will, you're wasting your sponsor's time and your time. Okay? And as I said before, this is only a dilemma that a compulsive overeater worries about. You know, if a pancreatic cancer patient heard that there's a bunch of people over here that have been recovering for years from pancreatic cancer, well, you don't want to talk to them, says the doctor. They're praying, they're meditating, they're doing inventories, they're making amends, they're talking about God. And you don't want to talk to them. They're unscientific. Let me send you to Dr. X over here. Wait a second. I've been to 12 doctors. They all said I'm going to die within three years from pancreatic cancer. How long have those people been recovering? Oh, well... Since the 60s, they had this person named Roseanne S. And, you, know, you don't want to talk to them. It's unscientific. See? I don't think you're going to buy that. See? So, 
Page 27. Some of our compulsive reader readers may think they can do without spiritual help. I'll ask the newcomer, do you think you can do without spiritual help? Maybe you need, maybe you need a better therapist. Maybe you need Jenny Craig. Maybe you need you know, your mother to treat you better. I don't know. Um, these are some of the considerations from the book thumpers. Do, do I believe that to stop compulsive overeating, there must be no reservation of any kind or lurking notion that someday I'll be immune to binge foods or the urge to overeat? Page 33, paragraph 2, line 9. Page 33, paragraph 2, line 2. On my own willpower, can I stay stopped on a sane food plan? Page 34, paragraph 2, line 4. Can I stay stopped upon a non-spiritual basis? That We already went over that. Page 41, paragraph 2, line 8. This is an interesting question. Do I understand and accept the fact that having a compulsive overeater's mind, the time and place would come when relying on my own willpower alone, I would overeat again? Do you understand that? If you've got a compulsive overeater's mind, there will come a time and place when you will overeat again. No human power is going to save you from that obsession. That was on... Page 41, paragraph 2, line 8. These are the considerations adapted from the big book. Page 43, paragraph 3, line 4. Do I believe that at a certain time I have no effective mental defense against the first compulsive bite? Do you? Do you think you have a mental defense? Page 43, paragraph 3, line 4. Do I believe that no human being can provide such a defense? Well, this is a tricky question for those who are group-dependent or meeting-dependent. They might say, well, I think that I can call my sponsor or this and that. Well, it's really tricky, you know. I can only tell you what happened to me. My sponsor let me down. My own experience with human powers and and Overeaters Anonymous and other 12-step programs is that I'm going to let you down. I'm a human power. I've been fired by sponsors. One guy fired me because I liked his dog better than him. I actually did like his dog better than him. He had this great little half pug. I mean, he was just a cute dog. We just never bonded. I've been fired. I've fired a couple sponsors. You know, people let you down. People are not saints. I'm not a saint. But people get group dependent, and they just feel, well, if one guy lets me down, I'll call another one. These people tend to remain pretty effed up. They tend to be the agnostic, group dependent, uh, medicated variety. But I'm not. I know when my first sponsor let me down and I'm dying going to two meetings a day and I'm dying at, at seven years into this thing, it's not a human power that's going to solve my problem. I went through that step process in the book and I made contact with a power and I was a different person. And I began to understand what they meant, that this is a spiritual solution. Okay, my, I am not fellowship dependent anymore. I really am not. I can miss meetings. I'm not going to eat if I miss meetings. You know, Dr. Bob used to say meetings are optional. Prayer and meditation is crucial. You know, it's not how many meetings you're making. It's what, how is you how are you leading your life between meetings is the real question. If you're making one or two meetings a week, but you're working with a couple sponsees, and your family loves you, it says in the book. Our real demonstration of recovery lies in our homes, occupations, and affairs. That's where you really show your program. It's not what, how many meetings you're making. It's how you're acting, how you're leading your life between meetings. 
And often I, you know, I've had some problems with the DMV driving point, I'll tell you. It's like the last front day. I've been God into my driving license. And I do. I literally, I pray to God, all right, God, just let me abate a traffic loss today and let me not get impatient in traffic. It's a really, driving is not my strong suit, boy, I'll tell you. It's very challenging. So now we're at step two, which starts in chapter in the agnostics, chapter four. So why would people tend to use the 12 and 12 in the workbooks rather than the big book? Well, for one thing, they're kind of laid out easier, right? Chapter 2, step 2. Chapter 3, step 3. The workbook has the question. The big book, you've got to kind of know what you're doing. That's why the real aid is a sponsor has been through the process. But Sherman's guides like Sherman's book can help because at least they're, they'll tell you where the steps are and he'll give you the questions to turn, you know. But he's got you writing stuff in the margins and stuff. and the, the, You know, they love the set-aside prayer. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just asking you to lay us... My current sponsor that I'm working the steps with allowed me to write my own set-aside prayer. And it's not in the book, but I use the words from the book. I say, God, please help me lay aside prejudice even against book thumpers, even against organized religion, even against my own old ideas, because I've so, been around here so long, help for an, for, and help me be willing, honest, and open for an, a deeper and effective spiritual experience with the help of my spiritual advisor. See, that's, I'm taking the language right out of the big book. They have the set-aside. The idea of the set-aside prayer is, if you think you've already got this program knocked and you know what you're doing and you know who God is and you know what you know how to work the steps and you know how to stay abstinent, if you think that coming in, it's like that old Buddhist saying, you know, to fill up a glass, it's got to be empty. You know, if the glass is half full, you can only fill it up halfway. It's really about that Buddhist thing of you got to empty. You know, get rid of your old ideas. Are you willing to lay aside your old ideas? That's words from the book. So I kind of wrote my own set-aside prayer. But the idea is simple. What Do you, the, set-aside? the set-aside prayer is something, it's not in the book. That's oh, what, where's the language you said? I pulled the language straight All right, well, the language, God help me lay, it's lay aside prejudice is from we agnostics. Uh, willing, honest, and open is from the chapter, uh, spiritual appendix two. It's a spiritual appendix. A deep and effective spiritual experience is in the book somewhere. I can search it, you know. Um, so you're in. So the reason people might not work the book is they don't understand how to work the book. That's another reason people would reject the book. A, it's talking about God. It's not a group therapy thing. B, it's written in 30s language with the old chauvinist capital hymn, you know, for that, you know, oh, Bill Wilson's a white Christian business republic, whatever your prejudices are. Are you willing to lay aside your prejudice against white Christian businessman Republicans? I don't know. <laughs> are you willing to lay aside your prejudice against the 30s language? Are you willing to lay aside your prejudice against, I don't know, AA? Because this, I'm an OA. I don't like just crossing out alcohol and put in food. You know, you're willing to lay aside these prejudices. So then you're getting into chapter four, the, the step two. Now, I took my original step two, the way the guys that wrote the book. I describe myself as a first edition level at alcoholic compulsive overeater. The guys who wrote the book didn't have the book. 
There was nobody turning statements into questions. There was nobody sitting in front of them with a big book because they didn't have a big book. The message was transmitted word of mouth. They were using 1 Corinthians 13, Sermon on the Mount, Book of Matthew. That's what they were using. They didn't have a big book. So how did they do their how did they take their first and second step? Well, for one thing, alcohol beat us into a state of reasonableness. Food beat me to my first step, you know. And then OA, going to the meetings, and that's why I do tell newcomers, go to the meetings, listen to the stories, listen to the speakers. I came to believe, it's a past tense experience, that there was a power here that could restore, at least restored you to some uh, serenity and some abstinence. Maybe it could work for me. You know what I'm saying? I feel like these people are my people. They're talking my language. They identify. Edie comes up to me and says, my name is Edie. I'm a compulsive overeater. I've lost 90 pounds and kept it off for five years. That gets my attention. She, I, she's no more spiritually developed than I am or whatever, you know. I mean, if it can work for her, it can work for me. That's how, I, you know, that's how a lot of people take their second step, frankly. Now, the book thumpers... And I have a little issue with them on this, but I, my favorite chapter in the book is the chapter to agnostics. But Bill, how did Bill take his second step? Very simple. We heard it actually a little bit on the tape. My friend sat before me, this is page 11, and he made the point-blank declaration that God had done for him what he could not do for himself. His human will had failed. Has your human will failed? You see? So doctors had pronounced him incurable. How you, how's your experience with the diet doctors and the shot doctors been? Okay? Society was about to lock him up. This was Ebby. They were going to put him, commit him for Windsor State Prison for six months. Like myself, he had admitted complete defeat. Have you admitted complete defeat? You see? Like myself. See, he, Ebby was the guy he thought would, he was worse than I was, right? Now he's sober. He couldn't get over it. He couldn't get over it. I didn't play all the tape this morning, but he went on drinking for three days, but he said, at no time could I get this guy out of my head. That this asshole, he didn't just say that, but it's basically like, this asshole's sober and I'm not. And he, and he couldn't get the message out of the head. He brought him this simple program. Just get honest with yourself about your defects. Uh, stop living alone. You got to share, make a confession, confess to another. You got to make restitution to help people without any sense of compensation and prestige. And then you got to pray to whatever God you believe in, you know, and he couldn't get it. This, this guy is sober. You know, he couldn't get it over. He couldn't get over it. And you know how much sobriety he had? Two months. And he's calling him a miracle. So let me read you what he says. Society was about to lock him up. Like myself, he had admitted complete defeat. Then he had, in effect, been raised from the dead, suddenly taken from the scrap heap to a level of light better than the best he had ever known. Had this power originated in him? Well, I knew how much power I had to stop eating candy bars. Okay, I had no power in me. 
Okay, and yet there were people abstinent. No way. I know. I, at least back in L, in uh, Miami, when I I was in Paris, slipping when I was hitting my bottom. But I knew that there were abstinent people. See, I'd seen them. Had this power originated in him? Obviously, it had not. I mean, Eddie was the kind of guy that was worse than Bill. You know, there had been no more power in him than there was in me at that minute, and this was none at all. How much power you got to stop compulsive overeating? Okay. That floored me. Well, Abby made an impression on him. And when a newcomer comes in OA and, he, and Natalie shows her picture where she used to weigh 300 pounds and now she's normal size and she's absent. I don't know where she's, she may be dead now, but she's get you know, I think she was in a home. But she, you know, she tells her story or Jeannie B, you know, or Harlan. I used to weigh 700 pounds, you know. I mean, it floors us, right? That's how, all right. It began to look as though religious people were right after all. Here was something at work in the human heart which had done the impossible. This is the line. My ideas about miracles were drastically revised right then. Never mind the musty past. Here sat a miracle directly across the kitchen table. He shouted great tidings. In other words, if you're in a meeting with recovered compulsive overeaters, you're, you're sitting in a room of miracles and we're shouting great tidings. And that's how Bill took his second step. Remember, he didn't have anybody turning the statements into question or showing him the Sherman's Guide. You know, there was no big book. There were just people who had embraced the spiritual way of life and they had been restored to sanity. And they're a miracle, according to Bill. I saw that my friend was much more than inwardly reorganized. He was on a different footing. His roots grasped the new soil. He's not a dry drunk. He's got a light in his eyes. If you're coming into meetings of Overeaters Anonymous and everybody's down and miserable and binging and nobody's happy, I, I suggest you change meetings. Because nobody, if nobody's got the light in their eye, they're not on a new footing. Okay, they're not, They haven't grasped the new soil. You know, they're just trying not to eat one day at a time. Now, uh, the, the reality is that Overeaters Anonymous, out in the hinterlands there, you got you go to a small meeting in a small place, and maybe, I've been to meetings in Colombia. I just got back from Colombia, Medellin, Colombia, and there were meetings where there was, there was one where there was three of us, one where there was four of us. But, you know, people are newly back or binging or whatever, and there's not a lot of recovery. There's usually one person with recovery who's keeping the meeting alive. What do I do? I turn them on to the websites immediately in the podcasts because at least you can hear the message of recovery, you see. And that's how most people kind of do take their second step. It's literally, there sits a miracle. Never mind the musty past. There's a miracle right in front of me in the meeting, see. I'm listening to this guy's story, and he was worse than me. He Harlan was 700 pounds. I only went to 280-something. That's nothing. Peanuts. <laughs> and one of Harlan's tapes, he said, I realized I just managed to lose 200 pounds. And then I suddenly realized I still weigh 500 pounds, you know. <laughs> Listen to Harlan's tapes, you know. Let's, let's put the fear of God in you. <laughs> you have more yeah, they're great. And... Uh, so you're in the second step now. You at least come to believe through meetings that these people are getting restored. Do you, now, the question to ask is, 
do you want this power in you? You see? Oh, yeah, I do. Okay. Do I have to believe in God? The newcomer might ask. Do I have to go to back to church? Right? right? I don't like my family's church. They're trying to stuff it down my throat or I had this bad experience with this priest or whatever the hell it is. Well, you know, Jimmy Swagger got busted for hookers again, you know. Whatever the problem is that I got with organized religion, and I had plenty, I wasn't, a, and I still am not an organized religion guy, but I'm very, but I'm quick to see where they're right. I'm, I'm tolerant of them, because then there's a lot of good people in organized religion, too. But I don't have to have your God, you don't have to have my God, you don't have to have Bill Wilson's God, it doesn't have to be Judeo-Christian, it doesn't have to be a hymn, it doesn't have to be connected with organized religion. Okay, Ebby's Bill, just pray to whatever God you believe in. Why don't you choose your own conception of God, page 12? Italicized, one of the most important things that we can ever tell a newcomer. Remember the difference between a religion and a, and a spiritual program. They're telling you who God is, and the, usually they're adding the right God or the only God, and the rest of them are going to hell. We just say, you need a God, pal. Why don't you find one? Well, how do I find one? Then you go, you got questions? When should we take questions? What is the schedule here? I'm forgotten already. It's five. We've got about two minutes before dinner. Are, are you serious? Two minutes before dinner? They're serving dinner at 5.30? Wow, that's early for me. All right, well, when should we do questions? We'll do that the next session. All right. Okay. So I'll just start, keep following this written guide that I wrote for the books, for the big book study of the OA. Is it working for you? Are you getting anything out of this? Is it okay? Yes or no? Yes? yes? All right. Anyway, this, don't let me intimidate you with this process. It's very simple. If I've gone through the step process, made the amends, had a spiritual awakening, had the obsession removed, my job's now to help others. I sit with a newcomer in front of me and I start at page one and, and turn the statements into question. You don't need the guides. They help, they're helpful. You, you know, but it's a simple process. You're just turning the statements into questions. You see? Why don't you choose your own conception of God? What a, what a great what a great thing to say. Sounds like a perfect time to close. Okay. Yeah. Let's circle up and close with those. How about Hank Roy? Thank you. God and Roy here. Yeah. Uh, you should, uh, thank you for getting him in the right order. That's 